for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is the update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Jake Hutchinson, who covers the San Francisco 49ers for KNBR.com about Sunday from Jacksonville. Not a lot of information, I feel like, floating around the Bay Area on the Jacksonville Jaguars, but C.J. Beathard, the backup quarterback down there. You also have uh, Trent Balky, used to be the GM here, of course, in San Francisco for a number of years. And even our old friend Carlos Hyde is down there in Jacksonville. We can talk about the health of the 49ers, as well as the potential return of Jaquaski Tart and what's going to happen if Elijah Mitchell is unable to go on Sunday. All things we can discuss with Jake Hutchinson, who joins me next. Today is Friday, November 19th. It's a pleasure to welcome to the podcast Jake Hutchinson. He covers the 49ers for KMBR.com. Finally got to cover a good game on Monday night. Jake, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, appreciate you having me on. Seriously, it was it was a long time coming. A lot of games that were just brutal, brutal to watch. So that was a nice change of pace. Well, you and I have had times where we're uh, we're hanging at bars, we're drinking beers, and and you've had a just sort of a, a glazed donut face on your look, saying, <laughs> "All I've done is watch Jimmy Garoppolo tape for the last however many hours." How's it been watching Jimmy G over the last couple of weeks? Has he changed your tune about how they should be managing this thing? The Niners now a game under five hundred heading into this game against Jacksonville on Sunday. What's your take on where the Niners stand and what Jimmy Garoppolo's status is as the starting quarterback? You know, he's still the same quarterback, but he's definitely playing well. Like, I think when you look at this season, it's hard to look at Jimmy as the main problem. You know, a lot of it's been penalties. A lot of it's been failed third down conversions based off drops, again, off penalties, stuff like that. The defense has been inconsistent. And over the last few weeks, something that they've done that's been really interesting is they've used him in the shotgun something like 96% of the time, just a pretty outrageous rate where... You know, they were running play action, I think, the fourth most in the league through the first, I think, what was it, six, seven weeks. And over the last three, I think they run it the least. So I think they've started playing to his strengths. You know, he tried not to, to say too much about it, but he admitted that he's, you know, more comfortable in the shotgun. And I think Kyle just, it feels like he's back in a rhythm. You saw him taking advantage of motions and, and using Jeff Wilson as a fullback, uh, splitting him out and putting Debo Samuel in the backfield to create mismatches. It feels like Kyle's in a little bit of a rhythm, and it feels like he's playing to Jimmy's strengths a little bit more. And it also helps when you you know face a Rams team that has two terrible middle linebackers and just basically allows Jimmy to take advantage of his favorite part of the field, which is you know center cut. Do you believe one game can put you in rhythm like that, that that Kyle after, you know, and again, they did beat the Bears and played a pretty good second half against the Bears. Defense still broke down uh, against them a couple of weeks back. But uh, do you think that the 49ers are actually in rhythm after just one game that Kyle's play calling with what they did? Or was this just one game plan against a team in the division that they matched up well against? That's the thing that I, I don't think we have a clear answer. I think it's something where... They played that one Debo play against the Bears, sort of set them in the right direction. They got something going. I don't think the offense was really that much of the problem against the Cardinals. You know, it obviously it was not its best, but they had pretty limited opportunities on the field. And then I think, you know, whatever it is, I think there is a complex with Shanahan against McVay. He just sort of feels himself, but it is, it's tough to know. Is this going to be the norm from now on, or are they going to revert to the team that sort of beats itself? And, you know, the Jaguars are a team that, you know, started off, I think, 0-4 and 2-2 and over the last two weeks. And it, it sort of has the markings of a trap game. And, you know, the 49ers' problem is that, you know, when they play at their best, they literally look like they could beat any team in the league. But for the most part, they've just been beating themselves up. And I don't think there's enough evidence 
just off of one game to say confidently that, you know, we're going to see the same team we saw on Monday every single week. I know it sounds weird, like the Jaguars are a really bad team that they should beat easily, but that's the sort of team they need to go on the road and then sort of win convincingly to say, oh, this is actually a trend and not just a one-off win. Yeah, Jacksonville coming off a loss to the Colts last week, 23-17 was the final there. And then they beat the Bills two weeks ago, 9-6. They also got hammered by the Seahawks, who beat the 49ers in a pretty ugly game early this year. Is there a matchup? I know we don't watch a lot of AFC South football here in the Bay Area, unless you're dialed in every week to Red Zone or watching a, a, a whip around the league, direct TV league pass or something like that. But is there a matchup you're paying attention to this week? Is there something on the offensive line? Is it a, a wide receiver matchup you're paying attention to? Is it how the 49ers handle Trevor Lawrence and the the backfield of the Jaguars. What are you focused on against Jacksonville this week? I think what's going to be really interesting is, especially if the 49ers have to run Tom Compton out there, again, is uh, Josh Allen on the edge. The edge Josh Allen, not the quarterback for the Bills. I feel like I have to dis- uh, distinguish that, but he's he's been incredible. Pretty clearly the second best uh, edge in the draft, I think, from that Bosa year. Shanahan was raving about him this week. He's just been absolutely outstanding. I think he had a pick and a fumble and a force fumble, I think, against the other Josh Allen a couple weeks ago. So I think he's usually, you know, on the right side. So that would usually be against uh, Trent Williams. But I, I suspect, especially if Tom Compton's out there, that's something that the Jaguars would, you know, probably try and exploit by having him, you know, go against Compton as much as possible. And speaking of the offensive line, I mean, they played great against uh, against the Rams on Monday. They played really poorly against the Cardinals. They played pretty damn good against the Bears. Which offensive line do you expect to show up? Like, I, I don't really know what to make of it. I know that a lot of times the 49ers focus on those outside runs. This past week or on Monday, they focused on a lot of inside runs, it seemed like, with Elijah Mitchell, at least from my perspective. You did see 10 carries from Jeff Wilson. You talked about him acting as a fullback a lot of the time. But what's your assessment of how the offensive line has played this season? Because a couple weeks ago against the Bears, Jimmy wasn't touched. Then five sacks against the Cardinals, just one against a pretty damn good defense, uh, a defensive line, I should say, of the Rams. Uh, how do you assess the O-line play to this point? I think that's honestly been one of the the strong points of this team. There have been some some inconsistent games. I think the first Cardinals game was, was possibly the worst that they had. Losing Mike McGlinchey was pretty substantial. I think he was having the best season of his career, especially in pass protection, where last year he got absolutely whooped. And I think Trent Williams is just... Even if you just look at PFF rankings, which you know sometimes can be iffy, but he's ranked as the best player in all of football, and I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Lakin Tomlinson is playing at a borderline Pro Bowl level. Alex Mack, who you know he started off pretty poorly, I think at the start of the season looked like there was some some rust. Just you know he's 35 years old uh, and has been I think steadily declining a little bit each year, but he started to look a little bit more comfortable. And Daniel Brunskill I think had his best game of the season, and I don't know what it is about. Aaron Donald, but it, it brings out the best in him, and he didn't have too much of a, of a problem dealing with Donald. Uh, I think the biggest question, again, is that, you know, right tackle, whether it's Jalen Moore, Tom Compton, you know, I, I think because they ran the ball so much and because Jimmy was getting the ball out so quick, it was able to mask some of what those, you know, Tom Compton can provide, which, you know, I don't think is very much. But, you know, I think that's the position of concern is if Moore isn't out there, I think he's he's a pretty intriguing uh, high upside player. But if he's not out there, Tom Compton is, uh, I think, not who you want at right tackle. So we'll have to see how his injury progresses. Uh, but I think the offensive line as a whole has been has been pretty good, and especially when they can get you know, going downhill and guys can start making second level blocks. I think that's when they're at the best.
We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. 44 carries last week for the 49er backfield. Kyle said he wanted the uh, the number to be at 40, which he said then makes it a team performance, which I think is true. It means the defense is getting off the field on third down. It means you're getting stops. The field position allowed for it, and obviously a couple of turnovers early by the 49er defense allowed for them to be able to run the ball that many times, except then we hear coming out of this game Elijah Mitchell with a hand injury. I can't remember who it was, if it was Bill Barnwell or somebody else had a tweet this week that said, Kyle Shanahan still not ruling out Elijah Mitchell. He could have both hands cut off before he'll even give uh, Trey Sermon a carry if Elijah Mitchell is banged up this week and is unable to go is it Jeff Wilson who takes the bulk is it is it Trey Sermon how do you see the backfield shaking out even if he does have this hand injury and he plays going into Sunday I think Kyle was was hoping he would practice on Wednesday he didn't but I feel like if Mitchell can hold the ball he's gonna play and he's probably gonna get the normal amount of reps that he usually gets but if it's iffy or he, he's not 100% and they feel like he can't go, I think they're going to lean pretty heavily on Jeff Wilson. Uh, and then Sermon, I think, would be the number two. But the thing is, you know, Jeff Wilson Jr., I, I think is, is you know, I guess they use Juszczyk as the third down back more, but it's hard to imagine that Shanahan wouldn't just use Jeff Wilson Jr. as the, like the bell cow and only get a few reps for Trey Sermon. So, you know, even if Mitchell is out, I'm not sure what you'd be looking at for Sermon. And that's truly been one of the more bizarre things this season. And, and it, at this point, it, it's hard to argue that, that Mitchell and, you know, Jeff Wilson Jr. are better options. But just, you know, there were times earlier on where, you know, Sermon could have had some opportunities and, and Shanahan just denied them. So uh, we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. But I, I'd suspect they lean pretty heavily on Jeff Wilson Jr. if, uh, if Mitchell's out. I think at four and five, a lot's being made of the fact that the schedule, I don't want to say it's an easy schedule from here on out, but it definitely gets a little bit softer at this point. You, you get a couple of these AFC South teams, you're going to see the Texans, are going to see the Jags this weekend. Seattle doesn't seem like as daunting of a task, even with Russell Wilson coming back, and they still have to go down to LA and play the Rams at the end of the season. So it does appear to be some winnable games, and of course they get the Vikings in a couple of weeks or next week here at Levi Stadium. With some of the, the guys coming back, it seems like they could be getting healthier in the coming days or weeks. Jaquaski Tart opened his window to return from practice as did Dre Greenlaw do we think that that if Tart plays this week that he'll automatically get the start I know Kyle was a little coy about this could Hufanga be the guy who stays in there and then also Dre Greenlaw what's his status for the next couple of weeks yeah I I think both those guys they'll they'll have to practice pretty much every day this week you know to be up on game day but uh, I think it's something where you know Hufanga has been you know, I think because he's a rookie and because he's such a guy that's just likable, uh, there's like a mixed bag of reviews. I think he's been all right. I don't think he's been stellar. I think he's made some pretty incredible plays. And so he's also made some plays where he looks like a rookie. But he's he's done probably more good than bad to the point where if Tart's not 100%, I could see them starting Hufanga. But if, if Tart is 100%, I, I think that's a position where you'd probably want Tart to play. Uh, and either way, they've used a lot of three set, three safety alignments this year. So it's not like Hufanga is not going to get on the field. As for Greenlaw, though, that's been an injury that's, that's it was a, like an abdominal core injury, which is always tricky. And it's something where Aziz Al-Shair has arguably played better than Greenlaw, just objectively speaking. So... Shanahan said it's going to take him time to even compete for the starting job again. Uh, but it's something where just the value of having Greenlaw as your you know third linebacker or even just as a depth piece that you can have up uh, if he's not 100%, like he's an incredible player. So if that's your third guy, uh, you're in a pretty good spot. And then I think just having Aziz, the way he's developed this year, uh, it makes it tough for Greenlaw to, to really come back into the fold much more so than Tart. 
I'm looking at the sort of the same way that Greenlaw's got to get healthy and be healthy for an extended period of time. What did you make of Fred Warner's uh, comments earlier this week that assessing himself that ever since getting the contract, maybe he has not played at an all-pro level. The numbers don't appear to be there like they have uh, in the last couple of years. You had a piece about this on KMBR.com. What's been a, your assessment of Fred Warner to this point? Yeah, it's one of the the more interesting things is that it's not like he's played terribly, you know, like he's still been pretty fantastic in coverage, but it does feel like, you know, especially in the run game, there are times where one of his greatest skills that was really on display last year and in the years prior is his ability to sort of slip blocks uh, and get away from them and, and make a tackle. And there have been some times this year where you've seen him get sort of bullied and just not be involved in a run play and just get pushed out of the play. And that's sort of uncharacteristic for him. And the way he sort of described it, you know, some people criticize John Lynch for, for going on KNBR and, and, and saying that, you know, the contract was a factor, which I, I get why people were upset by that, but he almost assuredly talked to to Warner before saying that. I, I think it's something where he admitted that he basically put a little too much pressure on himself to try and be this do-it-all playmaker, which, you know, he sort of already was. Like, he didn't really have to change who he was, but, you know, as he admitted yesterday, like, he felt the sort of pressure just getting this contract that, okay, I have to step it up this year. I have to do more when you know, in reality, if he's just sort of being who he is, which is, you know, what Lynch and D'Amico Ryans have said, he is an all-pro player. Uh, and so it's it's tough to, like, pinpoint exactly where it went wrong, but he definitely hasn't been as dynamic, uh, especially in the run game. And, you know, he hasn't, I, I think, blitzed as well either. But I, I think in general, he's still a really good player, but he's not playing up to, to the level of his contract. And, you know, the fact that he came out and admitted that is, you know, we, we talk about leadership a lot this season. That is a, a pretty good, uh, you know, sign of leadership for him to say, you know, it's pretty much on me and, and the defense follows me. Yeah, and the defense stepped up last week or, or on Monday for sure. And, and nice to see uh, Jimmy Ward come through with a couple of interceptions, uh, his first in a couple of years, and his first score since the Obama administration uh, was the way it was it was put out in the media. One more thought here on the way out on the guy who I think most people would say the best player, at least this season, on the 49ers, offense or defense. Debo Samuel's been incredible. For as much as we talk about misses in the draft, Debo Samuel has been a revelation. He's been everything and more the 49ers have hoped for. Even when Ayuk wasn't putting up numbers and Kittle was hurt. Here comes Debo Samuel. What's been your assessment of him, man? He's been fantastic. He's been an elite fantasy receiver, a top receiver in football. Now he's taking carries out of the backfield, offensive player of the week. Yet again, what more can you say about Debo Samuel? It almost feels like it really was as simple as him just being healthy this offseason. Because after that rookie year, and, and Kyle talked about it a little bit yesterday, he felt like you know Debo was doing so much work going into that second season to be ready. Then he had that foot injury, and you know it was sort of an an inevitable thing that like he was just never going to be a hundred percent or be who he could, and that sort of bothered him too. You know, going into this year, like he really, really was was so frustrated by that last season. He said he lost weight, and Debo is a guy where I think his coach at South Carolina sort of warned the 49ers that he has a tendency to put on weight, and you know him coming into the season just just fit and healthy and. Like he admitted he, he did yoga, did a little bit more to, to be flexible, like him just being healthy and, you know, having more comfortability in the playbook and, and more comfortability with what Kyle wants of him. You know, I know that maybe that's a, like a cop out answer, but I think it really is that simple is that he's been healthy. He came into the season, you know, again, slimmed down a little bit. 
and Kyle trusts him completely. And so you just see him put in all these different positions where if the ball's in his hands and the blocking is even remotely good, it's going to be a really successful play. He's just easily a top five player with the ball in his hands at any position in the NFL. And I don't know if you can really debate that. Yeah, and he's also got that second, uh, like that second gear he can turn into it almost when he when he hits the open field. And we saw that a couple of times on Monday. Jake, great stuff, man. Always fun catching up with you. And we'll keep reading you on KMBR.com. We'll follow you at Hutch Diesel on Twitter. And uh, maybe we'll catch up with you. What are we thinking? Like like wild card weekend when the 49ers are headed down to Jerry World to Dallas oh, yeah. or something like that? Oh, that, yeah. Yeah. I'll be down <laughs> right, there. I'll man. be down there. Thanks a lot, Jake. We'll talk to you later. Appreciate you having me on. Great stuff from Jake Hutchinson. Yeah, make sure you read him on KMBR.com. He's down at uh, 49er camp and practices at the press conferences. He's doing everything you need to get all your information about the 49ers heading into Sunday against the Jaguars. And while the schedule does seem like it's getting lighter, this is a must-have game. Get back to 500 and then see where you stand with Minnesota coming into town Thanksgiving weekend. Thank you to Jake. Thank you to Brian, my producer. Thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening, around the Bay Area or around the country. On Monday, we're going to talk to our friend Eno Saras. He covers Major League Baseball for The Athletic. We can talk about the qualifying offer Brandon Belt accepted. We can talk about the number of innings pitched between Corbin Burns and Zach Wheeler, and really, who deserved to win that Cy Young Award. Also, a little season wrap-up on the MVPs that were handed out on Thursday night. All that in the days and weeks ahead. Until Monday, Monday. Enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you then.